And I don't care about most of the characters, really. I care um, about Keanu. It, That's it. <laughs> God bless him I and know. his ridiculous mustache. I'm as proud as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on. One of you nuts has got any guts. What's for the smile? Face. You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Because I have a right to be uh, I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. So, this week, after we've covered... Anna Lily Amrapour's uh, first effort, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, we are taking a look at her kind of bigger budget release, which is The Bad Batch. And to do that, I have a kind of a brand new guest, at least a brand new guest for new releases, finally bringing in Baruch from the Cinema Bun podcast to take a look at a new release, finally replacing Mike with some real talent. So thanks for being here, Baruch. <laughs> thanks for having me. I, I like I like the chance to uh, give a, a, a second first impression uh, to your audience <laughs> members just coming on the, the, the new release for the first time. So this is this is great. And and I have less responsibility. Yes, so, uh, it's perfect. Just talk about a movie and not really anything else, which is which is great. Don't have to tie it into some kind of weird uh, psychological topic <laughs> that I know nothing about. You know? Yes. <laughs> it's cool. Awesome. And if you listen to this episode and you like Brooke, there's a couple things you could do. You could listen to our older episodes with him on it. Try to remember you did Looper, you did Burn. Dope. Was yes. there another one in there? There's another one that I don't remember. Yeah, uh, I don't remember either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he's I, 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 yeah he's in the archives. But of course, the other thing you can do is listen to his podcast, which I unabashedly love, uh, the Cinema Bun Podcast. Um, you guys should definitely check. It out. I'm going to let him talk about it, of course. But one thing I wanted to talk about, which we kind of I talked about online, and I talked about to you. You guys just recently put out an episode, kind of, and one of the discussion topics was white feminism, and one of the things you talked about. Uh, was not only The Beguiled and Sofia Coppola, but also this director. And we'll talk about all that stuff in spoilers. But I would highly recommend people listen to that. It's probably the most discussion of the topic I've heard in quite a long time. And I texted you. I was a little worried about it because I was like, there's been this kind yep. of... There's been attack mode kind of on Twitter. And I totally understand why it is, but it became this discussion that was not a discussion that was open and was just kind of like this rage being vented, which is understandable, but your conversation on that wasn't that. So I really appreciated that, and I would highly recommend people listen to your latest episode. But why don't you tell us what Cinema Bun is all about? Yeah, thank you. Um, so I am the co-host of the Cinema Bun podcast, me, uh, myself, along with Tanja Renee Stidham. Um, we talk about, well, we have two episodes that come out every week, uh, kind of a new format switch that um, was great for the podcast, but I immediately <laughs> regret it because I'm the one editing. <laughs> Who would do two episodes a week? What a terrible idea. Who would do that? What kind of idiot <laughs> would put out two episodes a week? Good God. Um, but no, so... Um, Mondays we release episodes where we review uh, mainly new releases, sometimes an old one. Uh, and then on Fridays we release episodes where we talk about recent movie news and usually go in depth into some kind of discussion topic surrounding films. Um, and so, so like Dave said, this past episode we talked about um, white fem feminism and in particular the exclusion of black women in film. Um, and we we touched on uh, the recent 
news about the beguiled and Anna Lily Amarpour's Q&A catastrophe and, and a couple other things. Uh, so definitely check that out. But um, you can find us online at cinemabundpodcast.com. Uh, and we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Radio, and Google Play. So just search for Cinema Bun Podcast. You can find us. Nice. Awesome. All right. Um, so now we're going to get into The Bad Batch. So I also want to talk about kind of our expectations for this movie. So for me, I mean, everyone, you've mentioned this kind of off mic, but anyone who listened to our episode earlier this week uh, knows that I was really excited for this movie. It's kind of like there are three movies I'm really looking forward to this year, and they're all, they all start with B. It's The Bad Batch, The Beguiled, and Baby Driver, and they're all coming out this month. It's a very exciting month for me, so I was really excited. But then kind of hearing... Some of the stuff about that Q&A, it was kind of like, oh, maybe not. But I was hoping it was just like a personality clash more than something that was going on in the film. So I was going to try and kind of keep that out um, of the discussion. So I was excited, but kind of got tempered the last couple weeks. You, were you looking forward to seeing this? I honestly, I was and this before the whole Q&A thing came about. I, I wasn't that mm. I wasn't really looking forward to seeing this movie. Um. Uh, we had reviewed uh, on our show, I think last year, yeah, like, yeah, I think more than a year ago, we had reviewed um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, and I was not very high on that film. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, coming into this, I wasn't I wasn't really looking forward to it, um, but I was trying to stay open, right? Right. <laughs> um, and to see to see what it was about. Um, and I, I, I did recognize uh, Amarpur's deftness as a visual storyteller so i was looking yeah. forward to that aspect of it at least i knew that that would be really stimulating and interesting um but past that i was i was really more curious about how she had grown from her first film and to see if she was really able to with with a larger budget and and and, and a much uh better or, or at least more well-known cast right. how her second uh film would fare so that's right. kind of where i was coming from okay so how did it fare? What was your what was your initial well like let's kind of go through like what it was like to sit in the theater for this movie. So what was your experience yes. like? Yes. Um so this film it really for me started off very strong. Mm. Um and it was it was a film that that it certainly got my attention uh in the beginning uh beginning a, a sequence and uh, honestly up until probably halfway maybe a little bit more than halfway um that's when it kind of felt like it started to lose gas and yeah. and just kind of started to trip over itself in that second half in a way that was really frustrating because mm -hmm. it felt like it could have been great and it had all the pieces to be a really great film um but but just like i said fell apart in the second half just kind of ran out of steam and it started to drag yeah um and and yeah so so it was these these two halves that where i was like okay it wasn't completely like trash right, right? it wasn't a trash movie but it it just didn't it didn't reach the heights that it could have overall yeah, I had a very similar reaction. This is the most frustrating kind of movie for me. And not just because I was looking forward to it, but this is a movie that has the seeds of greatness in it. That first, I would say 20 to 30 minutes is fucking fantastic. Yes. Like, and does so without, basically without any dialogue. Like, you get a lot about our main character just through her um, her body language and the, the picture that she looks at and everything that she goes through. You get a lot. And I was like, oh, this is exciting. This is someone, and and you mentioned her as a visual storyteller. Still, like, 
despite the fact that I'm not a big fan of this movie, I'm still looking forward to her next movie because she does things that are memorable and things that are different and things that are challenging. But this movie, this movie falls apart and it's really sad because it's, it's got so much promise in that first, I would say 30 minutes and then make some decisions with some twists in this movie that are just, just not well done, not well conceived and completely tone deaf to kind of what's going on. And that, that is sad. I mean, that's, I mean, the movies, the movies got a lot of problems, but it's still something that I can't bring myself to like, not recommend to anybody because visually it's so cool and it has so much to offer. And I think through most of the movie, the, the main character's performance is good and it's as good as it can be given what she's forced to do and what the script demands of her. But I think her actual performance is good. I think Jason Momoa's performance is good, although that has some cultural problems, too, that we'll talk about in the spoiler section. You know, him not being of Cuban descent and playing a Cuban character is uh, questionable at best. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not any there's not any performances here that are bad. There's not any that stand out as like, oh, well, that was a horrible casting decision. I think even Jim Carrey in a completely silent role is, is pretty yes. solid here and enjoyable. And I think Keanu Reeves is always fucking great. He's great in this type of weird movie. He's found this, this he's found this weird series of niches in his career. Like he's really good at the like stoic killer in John Wick. And he's really good in these really random kind of funny over the top roles. And I think he's really good here. The problem comes with the story and the lack of connection we have to the characters. It's, it's one thing to have a character who is difficult to get behind in a protagonist. Those, some of the greatest movies ever have anti-heroes or characters that are tough to grasp. I mean, if you look at, look at taxi driver, like one of, one of kind of the movies that everyone says is one of the best 20 movies ever made. Travis Bickle is not a nice guy. He's not someone we root for necessarily, but he is someone at some level we connect with. And for me, after the first 20, 30 minutes of this movie, I never connected with our main character again. She is so hard to access, and she does things that not only are hard to watch, but also her actions after those moments don't make a lot of sense, and I'm not convinced of what I'm supposed to be convinced of. Bingo. Yeah, just not really not being convinced as far as like how the plot and how the characters progress through this plot. Um, I, I want to go back to something you said, the the lack of dialogue in the beginning of the film was, I agree, so great because, and again, it, it really um, latches onto the fact that Amarpour is such a good visual storyteller that right. we're able to kind of be sucked into this world, right, for the first time um, and, and take a look at all these different things and learn about uh, the different places and factions in this world um, in a visual way that's that's fantastic and not get bogged down by um, things like uh, just, you know, explanations as to like why these people are here, or who these people are, where we're, we're just thrown in, which right. is which is awesome. Awesome. But once once we really get a lay of the land in this film, um, that novelty, right, that is is kind of gone. And what we're left with is this really bare bones plot that that really isn't nourishing or satisfying to us as an audience. Um, And and again, I I really want to really want to drive home just how visually gorgeous (laughs) this film is um, and how great the world building is, you know, especially at the start. I mean, we have cannibal bodybuilders. Then yep. live in in the wreckage of a plane. I mean, we have these beautiful shots of this lifeless desert, right? That stretches as far as the eye can see. Yeah. Um, 
we have this really weird kind of sanctuary city um, and just like drug trips and, and things that really um, allow Amarpour the the ability to just wield her camera, you know, wherever she wants. And and, and that's oh. kind of the allure of her style is that yep. she you can tell she's confident, unapologetic and just she's going to show things the way she wants to show them and and and, and how she wants to show them. Um, which, which is a strength of hers and right. something that really, um, um, really allows us to connect or be attracted to her work. The problems lie obviously in the writing and in the dialogue and in the plot itself and the structure yeah. and the pacing and all those things. She's, she's not as deft right. in, in, in those aspects of filmmaking. It seems like at least, um, and this, and that was something that I had somewhat of an issue with, with her first film as well. Not as much as with this film, right. with, with the bad batch. Um, but definitely something that I, I saw cracks in, um, in a girl walks home alone at night. So, so seeing it again, you know, and, and, and it being actually worse the second time around is so disappointing yeah. as well. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up that, that drug trip. I think that is, I think that is where Amarpour is most comfortable. And she, you could tell, you could almost like sense the excitement behind the camera in that sequence. Like I get to mm-hmm. do whatever I want and no one can complain in this moment because she's on LSD. Like that's yep. essentially what's happening there. And it's so beautiful and so stunning. And there's there's a moment in there where our main character meets with Miami Man, with uh, with Jason Momoa's character. And I love how long that sequence drags out. And the camera just kind of slowly circles around the two of them. It's like... It's like the anti-Michael Bay trick, you know, he does the like the sweeping (laughs) circles around people and this just and it's really interesting from like a male versus female gaze situation because she really lingers on Momoa's body in that sequence. And I just love how how like how elongated that take is like I could feel the audience getting uncomfortable Mm -hmm, with how mm -hmm. long she took for them to connect, for them to touch, for that, and you get this kind of constant sexual energy between these two characters. Oh my god! And yeah. it is palpable, and I love that the fact that it never is, it never really comes to fruition in that way that you expect in a movie. You know, there's not a moment where they fall in love. There's not a moment where they kiss. It's just like this, this crackling energy that's like, and there's so many sequences where they're inches apart. And you get yep. almost nothing. And you got a lot of that in A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, too. I think she's very good at that, at creating that tension without giving into it. So I loved, and like you said, visually, if you, I think this movie starts to suffer when they start talking. Like that's, yes. <laughs> when these two characters yeah. start talking to one another, you're just like, oh God, I guess we're doing this now. Like it's just, it's really, it's a really frustrating sit in that way. But honestly, if you just, if you put, you know, if you put earplugs in and you just look at this movie, holy shit. <laughs> like, just have it is, on mute. <laughs> this is easily, easily the best looking movie of the year. Like, and it's yeah. not even close. So if you go to movies for for the visual storytelling for the visual nature of it i think you have something to latch on to here i think there's there's enough good in here where you can be like okay i can i can get past the bad but this is not this is nowhere near going to be one of the best of the year it kind of sits in that mediocre range like i don't yep. think it's so bad that you're like oh like i wasn't rolling my eyes through the movie but it was like it felt like we were treading water for most of the movie. And then the yeah. way, without giving away anything, the way this movie wraps up is one of the most unsatisfying conclusions of a movie I have seen in in probably a decade. Like, I was like, <laughs> really? It was one of those moments where you see it coming and you say to yourself, please don't fucking roll credits right now. Even though the movie is 
too fucking long. It's it's almost two hours long, and it probably should be a ninety minute movie with yes. as much supposed plot as is here. When the credits roll, you're like, "That's it. That's where we end up." Like, no, no, they don't wrap up really anything. They wrap up the barest form of plot they have, but everything else is just kind of left, and not left in a way where you're like, "I wonder what happens," but just left. Yeah, yeah, and and part of that is is because I I think I just I don't. I don't really care about our protagonist, but right. definitely by the end of it, I don't really care. Um, and I don't care about most of the characters, really. I um, care about Keanu. It, That's it. <laughs> God bless him and his ridiculous mustache. Oh, my God. God. Bless Pablo him. Escobar. What's up? Uh, he was. He's got, like, the white suit. I'm like, I love yes. this guy. Can we have a movie about him? Like, and that's just... and so 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 there there therein lies also part of the problem. These these side characters just felt so much more interesting than our main character. Um, I, I just, I, I Arlen just is so unlikable to me. Yeah. <laughs> I just, even in a world of outcasts, like <laughs> in a world full is, of criminals, like yes, she is just, the fucking worst. <laughs> and, Cause and she, she has this, um, not even air of, but just this like really, she holds on to this self-righteousness throughout, throughout the, the film. That's just so annoying. And like, and even after be... doing things that should strip her of that. And I think that yes. would make her a more interesting character. If she starts out as self-righteous and then has realization, that she has done terrible things and has to come to grips with that but we never get that like no matter what she does to men women and children she's still kind of like yeah but i'm still the best because look at what happened to me at the start yeah no yeah 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 (laughs) and i was i was trying to grapple with what what are we really supposed to take out of the end of this film and like part of me was like is this too artsy for me to get you know i'm i'm a man of the people you know i i i <laughs> so sometimes i miss things like that i don't know <laughs> star wars doesn't end like this i, I don't know <laughs> all right <laughs> um but but uh, there, there was um um an interview uh, i think i mean she i'm reporters kind of stated this i think in a number of interviews but kind of her the the overarching question that she was trying to ask with this film is does one violent act justify another and I kind of see how that fits into the first half or like the first 30 minutes of this right. film. But after that, I, I, I don't I don't really quite see how that question ties into what's going on in the film. I'm not and I'm not sure if it's just she lost it. She lost that yeah. thread um, or if she's seeing something that we are not, you know, right. I, 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 it almost it almost feels like like you're right. I think that first 30 minutes does pose that question and leave us in a very uncomfortable place which i think is good i love movies that make me uncomfortable that's the point of this art form is to make you question things and make you think um but then because of what she does it it creates a bunch of loose plot threads that i think our was not prepared to deal with and she doesn't handle it very well like this whole plot with this child is not handled well at all it's not the mm-hmm. the the child's character is not fully formed the thing she does doesn't make sense her you know the quest that Arlen goes on is not convincing does not make sense so it just feels like because of the side effects of that one action the movie itself gets lost and then it Okay, this is what this is what the end of the movie feels like. You know when you were a kid and you spun around as fast as you could and then you lost your balance and you slowly stumbled to the earth? That's what the last act of this movie is. <laughs> is that slow stumble and then it just stops and then the credits roll. Like that is all it is. And I was so frustrated by it because I was like, you get to the end and 
this is the worst thing you can say about a movie is you get to the end and you think, why did you tell me that? Like yes. after the first yeah. 30 minutes, like why did you, why did we spend 90 minutes on this plot thread that doesn't really end in any way and doesn't have an emotional impact? And it yeah. should, I mean, it's an easy buy-in, right? When you've got a kid lost and you're trying to find them, that is the easiest emotional buy-in in film history. And you're well, still that's, like, that's, eh. <laughs> that's the only part that did solicit like a real, I guess, emotional completion out mm-hmm. of me is, is, is when Miami man's specific kind of like storyline oh, yeah. comes to a conclusion that was, but that was really the only thing. And that was right. a pretty straightforward Right. You know, a uh, uh, plot line there. But otherwise, it, you know, again, he's not our main character. He's not our main protagonist. Um, but I was much more interested when the camera was on him and, yeah. and dealing with the things he was dealing with than on Arlen, who's supposedly our, our protagonist. And it helps I, that I, Momoa has like charisma to spare. Like that guy, sure. like just put him in every fucking movie. He's, because he's great at stoic, tough but with with a soft interior yeah. like kind He's of great. kind of character. He's great. Yeah, absolutely. So I think this we're going to go to spoilers now, but this is a movie that like I don't and I'll speak for you for a second and tell me if I'm wrong. But I think both of us White don't man trying to speak That's right. That's what I do. Will you be quiet. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think we both have this attitude of like it's not terrible. Um it's disappointing yeah. and it like and it could have been good. And you're yes. just left with this. And I think, like, I, I logged on to Twitter after I after I saw the movie and just wrote, huh. Because that's how I felt at the end. Like, that <laughs> yep. was kind of it. So that was yep. where it was left. So Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Just, just yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't say it's it's terrible or just complete garbage. But it really leaves you disappointed by the end of it. And, and just, it's it's not even like the very end is where all of a sudden it becomes disappointing. I mean, it's, it's, you have to sit through, you know, another half of this film that drags on. So just by the end, you're, you're exhausted and feeling like that exhaustion wasn't worth it. Right. So (laughs) put that on the, put that on the poster, the bad batch, an hour of exhaustion and disappointment. Yes. (laughs) All right. So, uh, so we're going to go to spoilers. Spoilers. What? Read ahead, spoil all the surprises. I'm peeking at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. It's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. All right, so I want to talk about the the racial aspects of this movie first before we get into anything else. And I want to start sure, with sure. with the Jason Momoa stuff because I think that's simpler. So, yeah. okay, so I had heard going in, like, he plays a character called Miami Man. He's pretty obviously Cuban. I was like, oh, okay, that's not great given his background. There's plenty, there's plenty of Latino actors out there who could do this, and I get wanting to – and I guess he's – a name-ish. I don't think he's enough of a name where you can go like, oh, well, that's why we cast him because he's going to bring in all the people. Like, he's not he's not that kind of name. I, w- I, will, I will say this. I, I think I feel like a lot of people's interest was, was piqued. In, or maybe this is just the, the people I, that, that, I, uh, that I follow on Twitter. But right. a lot of people's interest was piqued when, when Jason Momoa ended up in, in the trailer and stuff like that. I was like, right. oh, okay, maybe, maybe I'll pay attention to this. And his star power is, is certainly, you know, has been rising very quickly lately. Yes, yeah. Um, with, with the whole Aquaman news and everything. And, and so, yeah. Yeah. Um. So the problem arises not with the tattoos, not with the fact that he's playing Cuban, but the the accent that he is saddled with, which is like, I don't know, it's, it sounds like me trying to do a Cuban accent. Like, it's bad. Like, it's, (laughs) it's not great. It sounds like, it sounds like something that would be more on the Chappelle show than would be in a movie you're supposed to take seriously. 
Um, So it was kind of rough. I mean, it's not, I don't think, again, I'm not Cuban. So if I have any listeners who are Cuban and you see this and you're offended by it, please let me know. But it wasn't like, it wasn't so offensive that I was like taken out of the movie, but there were definite moments where I was like, did we really, do we really have to make him Cuban? Can we have someone either Cuban play this part or can we have a character from Miami? Like not every person in Miami is Cuban, believe it or not, no matter what the Republican media tells you about all the immigrants coming over. There are, there's a great variety of people in Miami. So it felt a little bit unnecessary. Like you did have one moment where they talked about their past and that was actually relatively yes. moving. I thought that was pretty yes. well done. But it was, you know, I guess problematic is the best word for that casting and that story that they're telling. Yeah, yeah. I, I am definitely the casting is 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 problematic. I mean, I, I if I'm honest with myself, I wasn't so concerned with with that aspect of just Jason Momoa not being Cuban or or really uh, Latino at all. Right. Um, <laughs> um, but I, but it, it is a problem. Um, definitely, definitely much more, I guess, uh, uh, offended at the terrible accent. I mean, Oof. it just, it, it seemed like he just, he just, just watched Scarface. and was like, yes! all right, I got it. Got it. <laughs> I'm all good. See right. <laughs> a white person doing a Cuban accent. It's Scarface. Let's... That's it. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was it. it and, and it did, it did take me out of the movie whenever he spoke. I, I'm, I'm much, much more enjoyed it when he was just silent. <laughs> yes. um, uh, so yeah, that was, that was weird. That was weird, but it did. I mean, just him being Cuban and he didn't need to be Cuban necessarily for this to have an impact, but it definitely helped with that background story of him yes. being an illegal immigrant. And, and that's why he got thrown into, you know, the bad batch, which I'm still not, I get So it's, it's, so the bad batch is in Texas, is Texas. Yeah. Like I think desert. It's, it's a, it's, excuse me. The bad batch is the prison in right. Texas where she is in the beginning. And then all the people in the bad batch, I think decide not to rejoin society because they're not fit. And they go out into the desert to like, you know, create this collective of awfulness. I think that's that's how he took it. Is it a decision that they make or are they forced? Well, to... I don't know, but there was no showing yeah. in the movie that she was forced to go that direction. Right. She just walked out and went into it. But I think that, it yeah. can be argued that they are funneled there. Right, right, right. And that, and that was one thing that I wasn't quite sure on, because I agree with you at the beginning when she she just walks out and she she doesn't it doesn't look like she's scared or in despair or anything like that that she's been put right. into this place she just looks like oh okay all this right. is all right. I'll go this way and she just you know yada la da da I'm just gonna walk out <laughs> walk out of society it. no yeah, biggie I'll figure it out whatever who cares <laughs> um but uh yeah so then um I guess the other the other thing is the the death of Maria um yeah. honey's yeah. So, honey's mother the kid's mother. <laughs> So this is the the kind of big event we were alluding to uh, in in the non-spoiler section where essentially she – it feels like she decides like, you know, she is of course righteously very angry about losing her arm and her leg to these cannibals and she just kind of wanders outside of this safe space. It feels like kind of looking – for some vengeance on on anybody. And she runs into these people, this mother and daughter, who are clearly from the area where the cannibals live. And – you know, we kind of talked about this off mic, but the way this this killing is framed, I mean, it is it's literally a white person executing a black person at gunpoint with the black person on their knees and already injured. So optically, it's not great. Like already, yeah. like just that is a problem. 
Um, so what was, you know, you, I think, will have a a more interesting uh, take <laughs> on this because you are a black man living in the United States. I'm a white guy. This is true. This stuff is never <laughs> going to happen to me. But this is a very, I mean, honestly, this is a very real danger for black people in America is to be executed by white people in power. So right. what was your reaction to this sequence of events? So, um, one, I, so initially, right, my reaction, and and, and it, it was hard to separate that scene from what I had already heard about beforehand, right? So, so my initial reaction was, oh, this is ugly. This is not good. <laughs> right. Um, and, and kind of like, a, you know, this, it wasn't, it didn't really feel like anything was exaggerated in what I had, I had read about before. Right. Um, thinking about it in terms of the story itself, I think Arlen's decision to kill Maria seemed reasonable in that she's, she's this character who is at least in that moment is on this seems like is on this vengeance kick and sees somebody who represents that, that enclave of, of cannibals who took her arm and took her leg. So yeah, she's, she's going to feel kind of mad <laughs> and <laughs> understandable. You know, yeah. And, and take it out. And, she, and, and there was this, you know, before she even left comfort, there was this long shot of her loading this, this revolver. So so clearly the 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 emotion there is that she's she's angry, she's purposefully loading this gun mm-hmm. um and she's she's planning on using it. So so yeah, she gets out there and she sees this person and and they're in this place of of <clears throat> vulnerability like mm-hmm. she was. Yep. And yeah, it's my time to enact vengeance, you know, on on this person. So it it seemed reasonable. Um, but, but def, the, the optics, it's, it's hard to separate the optics from, right. from it because in addition to that, a lot of the other deaths, while also gruesome, weren't, um, I guess weren't focused on or weren't so central, yeah. uh, as this one was. Mm-hmm. And, and in a way this one should be central because you have a person, um, who is, you know, begging for their life, who is already injured. So not a threat in the moment. And right. who has her daughter right there? So it's kind of this a lot of things in there that that make Arlen's decision extra cruel. Right. And and if that's the emotion that Amirpur was trying to elicit from us, then then actually she did a great job. That mm-hmm. that's how you would want to set up that scene. You want to take that that character um, of Arlen and put her in a position where she's not really uh, uh, she's not really given a a um, uh, a scenario that's that's easy to to uh, what are the words I'm trying to find? She, she's being put in a scenario where she doesn't have to do this, but right. she decides to do this. It's very much her choice and not a right. circumstance of the environment. Um, so so that's that's fine. Uh, Can I jump what, in what, really quickly? There's yeah, yeah, there's something that that you just said, which kind of stuck out to me where, you know, she made this choice and it's cruel, but it's her choice. And I think I would agree with you, but I think the way that the that it's filmed after the gunshot belies that and i think that's what Mm. bothers me the most there's this moment where she looks shocked at what happens like almost as if it was an accident almost as if we should feel bad for her and that bothered me i think more than anything else more than the actual killing is the fact that honor lily on report is trying to make us pity this person who just murdered a woman in front of her child and that is a huge problem for me, let alone all the stuff that we're supposed to believe later in the movie that she cares for this kid when there is no work done 
Look. to make that happen. <laughs> I mean, her like vengeance mission to free her from the clutches of rich people who are feeding her and clothing her. It's like, what are we, what are yeah. we doing here? Like that doesn't make any sense. But that one shot, I think, is what ruined the moment for me. Is her like, oh my god, what have I done? And it was like, you planned this. You loaded the yeah. gun. You were ready to kill someone. You pointed the gun at her head. You listened to her beg for her life in front of her child, and you shot her in the head. You need to deal with that, not try to make us feel bad for her. Yes, yes. And and it might have been okay if, if yeah, she makes us feel bad for her, and then Arlen has to struggle with this feeling through the rest of the film. But it seems like right after that, it's, she's forgotten. Here's your <laughs> rabbit. Everything's fine. Like, what? Yes. No. Like, it's it's completely done. So there is no internal conflict after that. As as an audience, I mean, we 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 forget that this even that this even happens. It's like it's an afterthought. Nobody else, not not Miami man, not honey, the girl herself. Right. Really. Really, it doesn't that death doesn't have an effect on them. That's 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 obvious to us anyway. Right. So it's just forgotten. Like, OK, just some other person just got shot and killed while begging right. for their life. No problem. No biggie. Just, oh, and, right, and you talked had... about you talked about how uh, how much we show of this death. I mean, we even they even show yeah. Raven, you know, like buzzards oh, picking out yeah. her eyes, which I felt was. Yep. Too much. And I think yeah. there were many opportunities to show that with other characters that died. And it's interesting with this black woman that, no, we're going to – and there's been a lot of stuff online about kind of the commodification of, of violence against black people and yeah. how it's shown. Whereas – and you mentioned on your show how, like, violence towards white people, especially white women, is usually a fade to black moment. Yeah. Um, and in this, not only do we show, you know, the bullet hole in her head, but we show – animals eating her dead corpse like mm -hmm. it was just like okay did we really need that like i get that you want to be unflinching but it's interesting the character you chose to be unflinching towards exactly exactly and that's and that's a choice that you know maybe right not not to attach ill will to it but it's something that you have to understand is there mm -hmm. <laughs> you know as a filmmaker you are you are putting these images together in a certain way in a certain reason and maybe there's some you know some subconscious reason why maybe it's not conscious to you but right. it's there and as an artist as somebody who puts their work out there people are going to yeah. <laughs> react to certain things and you have to deal with that that's yeah. just how it is and honestly there's no there's no good black characters in this movie I mean, um, even the one who saves who saves her. Yeah, he, yeah, that's, he's yeah, a thief. But I mean, right. he shows up and shoots a random person and steals his water and just that, and she just happens to be there, so he saves her because she has, you know, she has missing limbs, so he knows. So it's not yeah. as if like this is a hero character who saw something wrong and decided to write it, and then you have the the kind of the the black character who wants to steal her away for some fuel. I mean, that's not. Good. I mean, it's just like. It's great yeah. that this actually does have a relatively diverse cast, but all of the heroes are white and all of the violent characters, all of the characters who we're supposed to dislike are people of color. Yeah. That's two things about that. Great. <laughs> yeah. Two things about that guy. Um, so he comes in and, and tries to trade for Arlen <clears throat> and then picks her up over his shoulder. And, and that wasn't even the worst as he's he's taking his her back he's like doing this like grunt these yeah. grunts it's that, this like, very savage like yes. kind of bull archetype stuff and, and it was like, was like oh, it's not um it's and not then great. if we want to talk about 
Yeah. And if we want to talk about deaths that are on camera for a long time, I mean, his was another one. His wasn't like oh, yeah, they were gruesome. chopping off limbs and, you know, like. Yes, ugh. yes, yes. But I mean, his body is laying on the ground in the background for yeah. for a while on camera. Yeah. So it's just another another one of those examples where it's like, yeah, this yep. is. Uh, yeah, yeah problematic to say the least yeah uh, <laughs> the last thing i wanted to talk about was the ending of this film so there was a mm-hmm. moment right before the end where i thought like oh this might be salvaged there might be something here because as as our two main characters as miami man and our protagonist like grasp hands together yeah honey the child rips their hands apart and i was sure yeah. for a second honey was finally gonna say um she killed my mom <laughs> she saw this and then it just turns into this cute like oh calm down little child and then they all sit down with each other and smile across the fire and credits roll and i was like what the no someone after some of this has (laughs) to come to, and it's not even like someone has to pay for these actions but something has to come to fruition why did we have all this violence and death if we're not going to deal with it on screen in an emotional way. Like, and there was an opportunity there written in as she rips their hands apart and we get nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure what was going on with that. I mean, and we talked a little bit about this before the, the all the sexual tension between Arlen and Miami man. And I, I, I never, I never felt like it was, it was earned in any way that was believable to me. Right. Like it just, it just kind of happened. Right. Um, and just according to what we know about their, but that scene under the sheet was, fucking beautifully filmed and fucking it was it was it was it was it was great but you're right narratively it's not earned other than the fact that jason momoa is beautiful and who wouldn't have sexual chemistry with that man yes but other than that it's just kind of like there's two people so i guess they're gonna have chemistry (laughs) and again there's no there's no inkling from arlen's side that there's any kind of internal conflict that oh hey i killed this guy's wife girlfriend partner right. whatever right. nothing <laughs> nothing uh, at all so it's just that that uh, I, I i don't know where this stuff can and so the end the ending anyway was just was just weird and i didn't like it and yeah there, I, I think there. you hit on my major problem with this movie actually is that it is a movie a story that demands internal conflict and delivers none i yes. mean that's that's what we have it is i mean everyone talked about style over substance in her last movie if you thought that about a girl walks home at Le- home alone at night let me tell you <laughs> that movie feels like it is filled to the brim with dialogue yes. and important moments as opposed to this so if you liked the style over substance you there are some things you are going to like in this movie this is a movie that has visuals that i adore that i absolutely love that just doesn't come together as a narrative piece, unfortunately. No, not at all. Um, and I, honestly, after after seeing this film, I I started to think a little bit more highly of A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, <laughs> just <laughs> by comparison. I mean, to be yeah. honest. Oh boy, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just just disappointment, disappointment in general with this yeah. film. Um, yeah. Could have been so much better, and it had it. It had the ingredients right there. Yep. Um, just didn't come together. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, so that's it for our review of The Bad Batch. Why don't you tell people one more time where they can find you and your excellent podcast online? 
Yes. Um, so uh, once again, I'm a, the co-host of the Cinema Bun podcast. We are on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. Just search for Cinema Bun. And um, you can find us on our website, cinemabunpodcast.com. Uh, we have a Twitter, Cinema Bun Cast. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram as Cinema Bun Podcast uh, on all that. And you can follow me if, if you dare, I guess. Um, I'm on Twitter at Ethiopian Boy. Uh, my account is locked. I was going to say, reasons. follow Ethiopian Boy and his protected tweets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I had to lock it because <laughs> people are watching. Uh, but but if you send me a follower request, I probably will allow it uh, unless your tweets are just really weird. Um, but but anyway, you can. I promise you, my tweets are pretty good. Uh, maybe Dave can uh, co-sign that. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, they're good. Uh, they're all right. I mean, if you really okay. like Star Wars, they're they're good. Yes. So you can yeah you can find me at Ethiopian Boy on Twitter. All right, great. So we're going to take a break, and then we will come back with Brit and Fangirl Fixation. We'll talk about the movies uh, coming out next week, which uh, will include Baby Driver, which Baruch will be back to talk about on the show. He's yeah. coming in two weeks in a row. Um, and we will also be uh, increasing Brit's film education by taking a look at another movie with a female supposed hero uh, with, with a missing limb. So we are taking a look at Robert Rodriguez's Planet Terror, his half of Grindhouse. So stay tuned for that. Shannon, CG, Lauren, and Mel form... The Nerds of Prey. A group of ladies bonded by comics, gaming, film, television, and fandom culture. Hang out with them bi-weekly as they dig into the very things that make them loud and proud nerds. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. Also, check out their Patreon at patreon.com backslash nerds of prey. All right, so we're back after our break, and now it's time for Fangirl Fixation with a very sick Brit and a very sick Dave. So, hi Brit, thanks for doing this this week. He sounds very sick, but he's not sick no more. You gave it to me. Yep, it's true. But I am still sick, unfortunately. So, uh, anything you want to talk about before we get into your film education or your uh, or the movies coming out this week? I want to talk about how this sneeze is an asshole. <laughs> okay, I think I'm okay. Oh, God, now my eyes are watering. <laughs> I'm fine. You're in good shape. Oh, God. So anything you want to talk about other than the movies this week? No. No? Okay. All right. So we are going to jump right into Brit's film education. So this week, of course, you just heard our review on The Bad Batch, which features a protagonist uh, that is missing two limbs. So I thought, like, what other movie can I think of with a protagonist with a missing limb? And so I chose Planet Terror, which is uh, Robert Rodriguez's half of Grindhouse. We already covered the Tarantino version. You one that was specifically a female protagonist with missing, oh, yes. with missing limbs. That's true. Yes. Good point. Um, so now you've watched all of Grindhouse um, in separate settings. You've watched Death Proof and Planet Terror. Yeah. So to start off with, uh, which one do you prefer? Death Proof. Death Proof. All right. So uh, do I take this to mean that you didn't like Planet Terror oh, at God, all? I did not like it. <laughs> so what didn't you like about it? Well, first of all, I'm sick, so watching things squelch and splatter was not great. <laughs> that movie is, like, legitimately gross. It was, it was a very juicy movie. And yes. I don't mean that in, like... The, like fun, exciting, juicy. No, no, like no, like as in, well, now I need to go throw up because I was not <laughs> expecting that giant boil to squish all over his face. And <laughs> Poor like Jack the, and like the the fucking like. Secondly, Tarantino really just needs to stay out of his own damn movies. Although this technically isn't his movie, this is Robert oh, Rodriguez, right. but he needs to stay out of acting. Yeah, just I stop. Agree. 
just like the like it was it was painful it was yeah. really really painful well you never really wanted to hear tarantino say i'm gonna get my dick wet that's not your uh oh i blocked that out thanks for bringing it back up <laughs> Because all I can remember is like the fucking nasty ass dripping falling off cock thing. Yeah, which it's not just, great. I, I, it's unnecessary. I think my favorite part uh, of the movie. I like Rose McGowan in it a lot. I think she's. I think she feels like she's in a better movie than she's in. Okay, so that's one. Of, that was like one of the things. <laughs> like, like were they directed to act badly? I mean, I think that's part of the grindhouse style, the exploitation style. Is it's not supposed to be. A well acted movie necessarily. It's supposed to be fun, but it's not supposed to be like, ooh, we're gonna okay, so we're gonna win the, Oscars when, with this when performance. Was the fun part supposed to happen in this movie? I don't know. I I thought uh, I thought all the stuff uh, with her with the the gun leg was fun. They had a good time with that. I, Which I enjoyed we it. don't ever know how she actually fires it, and for some Why reason you, never has okay, to reload. Okay, hold on, hold on. You as a fan of fucking anime are really gonna sit here and be like, well, that doesn't make logical sense. Anime gives you mechanics of how things work. Yeah, but they don't make any sense. You're talking about magical girl anime, which is completely different. Oh, God. I just... My brain just melted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, that's... I think that's a part of the style, you know? I, I, so it never bothered me. I've heard other people Also, because she was too busy complaint. about a freaking pair of sunglasses, your man died. Like, good job. How did you not hear the guns going off behind you? I don't know, but she looked awesome in those sunglasses, and that's all that matters. Any movie that starts uh, with Rose McGowan as a go-go dancer is okay in my book. I just want Except to see crying. That makes with her weird. and and the uh, chick doctor. The chick. Oh, oh, you mean like how with, it ended? Yeah. Yeah, 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 with like her shooting off like the the um the hypodermic needles. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, I want I want that I want that movie. I want a movie where it's the two of them going around kicking ass. I do think the women in this movie are the best part. Yeah, for sure. But I think they're my two favorite characters. There's still a lot of male bullshit in this movie. Well, yeah. So what bothered you? What what parts of it bothered you? Everything. You're gonna have to be more specific. You said there's a lot of male bullshit. So for uh, well, example, well, I didn't. I didn't like Josh Brolin's character at all. Okay. Um, He's pretty abusive and pretty awful. Like, yeah. It's interesting because it's it's a tough thing I think for me to get past personally because they try to. I think they try to make him the tiniest bit endearing because he's being cheated on. Right. But it's still like, he's still like, you know, murdering someone because they cheated then, on you. But then that's yeah, also right. weird because it sounds like the relationship, he already had known that there was a relationship. So like, That there was a prior relationship. Uh, and then it started again, I think is what they were trying to say. Uh, and that's not great. Uh, I didn't mind the character of Ray. I thought he was entertaining. It was interesting to have, like, in terms of height, someone diminutive being like a like a badass action hero. I thought that's, that was kind of yeah, cool. And cool. having a Latino action hero, I thought that was good. Uh, but yeah, but most of the guys, I don't know, the, the guy who owned the uh, uh, the barbecue place was pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed I him and Michael Bean playing his brother. That stuff worked. I, I mean, I think it's, I think when I saw these movies, I found this one more fun, but I found Death Proof a much better movie. Like, I can see that. if you just kind of throw all your thoughts out the window when you watch this movie and just go like, I'm going to watch... Zombies blow up and testicles being on the ground and uh, everything that else. That was also really <laughs> fucking stupid and annoying. It was way... I actually, it took it took a lot of work for me to enjoy it after that opening scene. Because I was just like, really? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, I think that's why I, like, I was like already over it. Sure. I'm just like, this, I don't care. Right. I don't care about anything that happens in this movie now. Yeah. No, it's totally valid. So I guess we could say this is not a great movie. No, and you. I would not recommend it. <laughs> Um, Not was, unless you really hate somebody. <laughs> oh, and once again, 
Dave picks a movie where he tells me nothing happens to animals. I and forgot a, a dog, dog died. gets run over. And not only does it get run over, it explodes upon impact with the truck. Yes, it does. It's pretty, pretty fucking horrible. Um, so, so thanks for that while I'm sick. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so did you see anything in this movie that you've either seen in movies in the past or seen pop up uh, in later movies? Or is this just its own I don't. Monolith, my brain is gross. just like, I think you killed about like 500 brain cells <laughs> watching this goddamn movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, Brit's not a fan of Planet Terror. I I like it. I don't love it. I think it. Oh, he's changing his tune now. No, I mean I think it's I think it's enjoyable, but I'm not sure it's like a great movie. I definitely prefer Death Proof. I think Death Proof is a Death much Proof is better much movie. more solid on like their storyline yeah. and their characters. And definitely, yeah, yeah I totally just, agree. Uh, it's it's very interesting to hear uh, like your perspective on it because it's hard for me to separate them because I saw them in one sitting. Oh. So it's like become this grindhouse right. thing, this duo. Um, no, yeah, this was but I, but I will say this. I have watched Death Proof probably eight times, and I think this is the first time I've watched Planet Terror since I saw it in the theater. The other thing that so really So that should tell you everything you need to know. Is like that whole like sex scene that like goes away. Uh-huh. The, the missing of, reel. But the beginning of it, she's talking about how abusive he was. And they kind of yeah. like just gloss over that, but it's like, but I bought you a ring. He gave her a ring. No, That's and all so that like, like that was really problematic for me. She was okay. like, I left because you were controlling. You were an asshole. You did all these things that you should have been doing in a relationship. Mm. Oh, I'm gonna forgive you and fuck you because you were gonna give me a ring. It's like, valid. It's really, it's really, really problematic for me with domestic abuse. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's all extra interesting to me because at that point, I think Rose McGowan and Robert Rodriguez were dating. Like they were together, the director of the movie and the star. Yeah. So it's, it was a lot going on there for sure. Like. You know, the uh, the very, like, standard male part of me loves the sex scene because Rose McGowan is fucking hot. But, like, when you bring that up, that's a really good point. Is the whole the whole movie, their relationship, all she can talk about is what a fucking prick he was. Yeah. And then, like, has this change of heart because he was hiding a wedding ring in the jacket. That's yeah, like, that's eh, really gross. Especially not... since the other female character is literally fighting for her life to get away from her abusive partner. Right. And loses her son because of it. Yeah, yeah. But but this one, he's hot and he had a ring, so it's okay. I think what we need to learn from this is uh, don't give you know your eight year old son a loaded handgun. I think that's a it's a good rule to live by. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot going on in Planet Terror. All right, so we're gonna move on from Brit's film education. We'll we'll Thank do better God. next week. Um, so now we're gonna move on to the movies coming out, and we'll start with the movie that Brit is the most excited for. I can guarantee. Uh, and that is, Banana? D- yes, that's Despicable Me 3. Um, so, of course, I mean, I think everybody knows what Despicable Me is at this point. And it also Better. has a, the spinoff of the Minions movie that came out that made just what so much money. What makes me happy is these movies always come out around my birthday. They do. So even if Dave didn't enjoy them, I could force him to go see them. Yeah, yeah. And I actually do enjoy them. I think they're fine. Like, I, I don't think they're, I don't think they're breaking any new ground, but I don't think they're trying to. Well, except for the Minions didn't get released around my birthday. You guys suck. Yeah. Well, there is that. Um, So, uh, I assume you've seen the trailer. for Like a bajillion times. So, what did you think of the trailer? Like, let's say you weren't a fan of the franchise and you saw this trailer. Would would you be excited? I would think it was weird as fuck. I'd be like, what the hell am I getting into? Yeah. Especially with the new villain who has like... Yeah, Balthazar Brat. Yeah. 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 Not a fan of the new villain from the trailer. Yeah, I'm I'm not either. I'm having faith in this movie because it's Despicable Me and there's minions. And I think that they're doing a really good job with um, Grusey. Like, I think think they developed those characters really well. 
Um, it doesn't seem like the girls are too much in this movie. So yeah, far. at least and not in the trailer. Not yeah, much. That's disappointing to me if that's going to be the case because I yeah. am Agnes. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the reason these movies work are because of his relationship with the girls. Yeah, like that's that's the only thing really that makes them stand out. Is it's kind of cool to have, even though it's like you know it's a silly movie. He's a supervillain, become hero, blah blah blah. But like, it is a a great uh, it's a great image of a single dad yep. who tries really hard for his daughters, yep. and I think that's really cool to see on screen, even in even in a kind of standard cartoon film. But I'm glad we get Gru's mom back in this movie, so Julie Andrews is back. Uh, I can't wait and for she's that great. scene. Like, I hope that's a real scene. There was like a commercial that we were watching where like she's like tapping somebody's butt. Oh I yes, want, I that's want that right. To be real. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I think I I have a feeling this movie is going to be underwhelming as far as the in comparison to the first two, um, and that's what you get when you extend. Did you movies like the like second this. one more than the first one? Um. You, can, I you, think, can you tell them apart? I'm trying to remember, honestly. I feel like I feel like the first one is a better movie, and the second one they like pushed it a little too much. Well, because they took all, because that was a, more centered around what happened to the minions. Right, exactly. The minions were being stolen and used. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think the first one had a really good balance between Gru and the kids, and with the minion stuff. Mm. And then I think I feel like they pushed it too far, and then minions went. Of course, even more over the top. The and, minions are amazing. You know, and they're. I, I think the minions. King are, Bob. I think the minions are best uh, when used sparingly. Like they are hilarious within the crux of a larger movie about Gru. But I think as a film themselves, it, you know, it's still entertaining, but it struggles. So I think I like the first one best. Um, the second one was fine, and I feel, but I feel like this one is just. It feels like we're going to the well once too many times. So you don't you don't like the minions standalone movie at all. No, I think it's fine, but I don't think it's as good a movie as the Despicable Me, Despicable Me movies, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they're still entertaining, and I'll probably catch some shit for that because people hate the fucking minions. But like, I don't know, it's fine. Why it's, it, wait, who do you know that hates the minions? Oh, every every like serious film fan is like shits all over the minions, and it's like, yeah, it is stupid, but it's supposed to be like it's fine. I don't I don't mind it. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I'm also not out there going, that's why stupid, you, you should like it. Why do you like know it. terrible people? Because I'm on Twitter. That's that's All really right. what this is about. So yeah, we will definitely be seeing Despicable Me 3. Uh, there's no option there. Nope. That will happen. All right. Birthday. Birthday Brit. Yes. So the next movie we're going to talk about is a movie that's coming out both in theaters and will be streaming on Netflix, and that is Okja. Uh, which is directed by Bong Joon-ho, who I guess is best known uh, for directing uh, Snowpiercer. Um, so this is a story. It says, uh, meet uh, Miha, a young girl who risks everything to prevent a powerful multinational company from kidnapping her best friend, a massive animal named Okja. Okja is a super pig uh, that apparently, it sounds like, has been genetically engineered. Yeah, it was a for... little confusing with that because it, like, it sounded like they had already engineered them, but then was stealing this one? And... Well, I feel like uh, it made it sound like this was the first one of its kind. Oh. Like this was a new a new creature that they created and escaped somehow. But no, it's hard they, to tell. Oh, yeah, I don't so. know. Well, I guess we'll figure it out when we watch the movie. Yes. So what did you think of the trailer for Okja? Um, well, you were right. It was a little weird. And obviously I do think it's very cute. Cause it's oh, a big Super Pig thing. is adorable. It's like got the floppy ears and it's so, so fat. Cute. Um, Tilda Swinton should just be an evil bitch and everything. Yep, yep, like, yep. That's... I agree. And I can't tell, but in the, in the cast, she may be playing two characters. Because it says Lucy and Nancy Morando. 
mm. is the name of her character. That would make sense because one char- one version of her is very, very made up and the other one isn't. Right, yeah. Um, so. And there's other pretty well-known people. Giancarlo Esposito um, of Breaking Bad fame is in here. Um, Paul Dano is in it. I don't think he was in the trailer, but Jake Gyllenhaal is also in this movie. He was not in the trailer. But yeah, I saw. so a lot of an interesting cast, definitely, and kind of led by Tilda Swinton, like who is fucking fantastic. Yeah, and even with a few Korean films that I've seen, you can tell that some of their bigger stars are in this. Yes, too. yes, absolutely. So yeah, I think the movie, uh, one of the movies I want you to watch um, is another one that he did called The Host, which we've talked. Oh about yeah, we've before. talked about it a few times, but I still so, haven't yeah. gotten around to it. So yeah, I mean, this movie looks adorable. It looks fun. It's getting pretty decent reviews so far. Like it's, I'm I'm excited for it. And honestly, if the next movie we we're going to talk about wasn't coming out, I'd probably just be covering Okja because it's definitely something I want to see. So speaking of that movie coming out that we will be covering, that movie is Baby Driver, which I, I think it's probably the movie I'm most looking forward to You're this year. So weird. I cannot wait. I love everything Edgar Wright has done so far. Uh, and this trailer like blew me away. You keep saying names like I'm going to remember who. All right, Edgar Wright did the Cornetto trilogy, so he did Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Now um, it makes more sense of why you're so excited for this. Right. Exactly. Okay. So yeah. Um, so I'm super excited for this. It's got a great cast: um, Kevin Spacey, uh, Lily James, John Bernthal, John Hamm, um, who else? Jamie Fox, uh, and Ansel Elgort, who I've never seen in anything, but he was in that. Uh, the kids dying of cancer movie, uh, Fault in Our Stars, no, uh, a couple years ago. That, so. um, but or he's, but he's the he's the main character. But actually, looks really good in this. Um, so, what do you think of the trailer? I think it looks ridiculous. Yes, I do not understand the full level and depth of your excitement. I do think it looks fun, mm-hmm. but it's not something that I'm like, yeah, I have to see that. I'm like, hmm. Mm. Okay, all right. I think a lot of it is due to kind of buzz I had heard after it debuted at a bunch of film festivals. Like it was, it was described like almost like, like a musical, but not, not in the sense that performers are performing the music, but like the way the sound, the soundtrack is crafted to match the beats of the movie. That really makes sense. That's exciting. It would be exciting for you to see. I didn't have any of that background for it. Right. It's a car chase. Based off of that trailer, I'm like, this is not your movie. Why are you so, so why are you losing your mind every time this comes on? You do not like movies like this. This is my kind of movie, like rock and roll and kind of stuff. I liked rock and roll. I I just saw it recently. I know, but it took (laughs) you forever to watch that. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's more of like a, a cut and dry. Oh man, I can't wait. Kind of. I'm so excited. And also John Hamm's in it, so I'm there regardless. You just want to see him with his hair must. Yeah, I do. And his, his scruffy beard. I'm into it. Leather jacket. So, yeah, that works. But the only time that, that Dave's actually into guns. That's right. Yeah, whatever you want, Mr. Ham, it's fine. I also like, you know, seeing Kevin Spacey play a heavy, like play a villain. I think he's perfect for that. Well, like he has yeah, all those like evil monologues him. and I'm just like, yes. Well, because we saw him in Richard the Third. Mm-hmm. After we saw him in Richard the Third, both of us were like, I need him to kill more things. Yeah. And seriously. then House of Cards came out. Right. So yeah. And he's good at playing a villain. He's played a villain earlier in his career. I mean he was in a movie called Swimming with Sharks where he was essentially the boss from hell. And he's terrifying. And I like but I like in this it's a lot more like Richard the Third where it's this calm Yeah this calm terror where you're just like, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to you. Yeah. And that's enough. I don't I'm have pretty, to I'm pretty me. sure somebody saw him in that play and that's how he got House of Cards. Especially with, oh, that how, wouldn't surprise me with at all. how House of Cards, like he like turns to the camera so often oh, yeah. and that's a very big Richard the Third yep, thing. Totally. Yeah. Y'all be jealous. We saw it in San Francisco. It was amazing. That's right. It was fucking fantastic. Yeah. So Baby Driver is the movie we're covering. So do you want to see it? Are you excited to see it? 
I want to see it, but it's definitely not one of those where I'm like, I have to go to the theater to go watch okay. this. Um, All right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, so, yeah. So, those are the movies coming out uh, next week. Don't touch the microphone, Britt. Um, so, uh, and of course to get ready for Baby Driver, we were taking a look at one of, uh, another of Edgar Wright's movies, not of the Cornetto trilogy, but of Scott Pilgrim versus the world, uh, which I thought was probably a better match for Baby Driver because of kind bread of, makes you fat. Yes. Because bread makes you fat. All right. Anything else you want to add before we finish up the episode? I'm concerned about what I'm watching next week now. What are you watching next week? He what? doesn't know. Hmm. No, I, I thought I... Hold on, we'll edit this out. But bum, bum, bum. uh oh, I don't what? like the look on. No, your no, face. I'm I'm laughing at your click, oh. click, click. So the movie we're covering, I, you know, I didn't want to. You've seen all the other all of the other Edgar Wright movies, so we couldn't. That was kind of out. So what I wanted to do is find so like Dave's a. Upset that I have taste for once. Yes. So I wanted to look at kind of like a cool heist movie. Oh well, good um, luck with that too. So we are watching Out of Sight. I actually told you about, um, and we both forgot. Yeah, that's true. Um, which Britt may have seen yeah, before, but she doesn't remember. Yeah, that, okay, that makes sense of why you asked now. And I was like, well, the characters, or like the actresses together sound familiar, but I'm not entirely sure. So yeah. So we'll find out. Like halfway are, through the movie, we'll be like, oh, I've seen this. Yeah. So we're checking out uh, George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez in Out of Sight. All right. Um, so that's it uh, for this episode. Uh, until next time, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch. Yeah, I mean, the only other good thing I really like about this this movie, and it's, it's the same as with The Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, is the music. Music is fucking yes. fantastic. Like, she does yes. really well with that. I just think she needs to hire a writer. She does. I mean, it'd she be does. great. And just hire um, a great writer. There are out-of-work writers. You'd throw a rock and hit ten of them in L.A. Yeah. Like, find a fucking writer. Jesus Christ. So, like, last night, I was like, you know, if I didn't have a podcast to record... I would not be seeing this movie, and then I saw, <laughs> saw what I saw. So, that's, oh, no. um, I was really hoping that it would be better than it was, so I'd be like, yeah, ah, it was worth it, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, uh, it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Oh, no. So, I'm glad we solved Race. Uh, that was good. Yeah, yeah, so, this is probably like the third uh, time we've done this, I Yeah, think. <laughs> I feel like we, it should be done by now. I mean, if people would just listen... <laughs> To you and me, we'd be fine, <laughs> right? That solves violence, gotta... solves racial problems. We're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All yeah, right. That's right. Pop culture case study cures uh, the world's ills if people would just listen. Yes. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. If only, if only people would listen. Yeah. Please. Only more than nine <laughs> people would tune in. We'd be fine. <laughs>